0: Welcome to Right Side of the Brain, the podcast created by Interact Stroke Support. Interact are a charity that take professional actors into hospitals and stroke clubs to deliver a live interactive reading service to stroke survivors. And we now also deliver the service virtually, directly into people's homes. Please visit our website, www.interactstrokesupport.org, for more details. Our guest this week is Dr. Adam Ali. Dr. Ali is an orthopedic surgeon and NHS clinical entrepreneur. He's the co-founder of carecompare.net, an innovative site that enables people paying for their own care to quickly find and choose between local care companies that are able to help. Carecompare is free to use, and it's being supported widely by the NHS, the Home Care Association, the Voluntary Sector and Innovate UK. Why don't we start at the very beginning? Um, uh, Dr Adam Ali, a very warm welcome to Right Side of the Brain. Thank you. Um, Adam, could you tell us a little bit more about you and your journey? I see that you're a doctor. I presume that's, that you are a medical uh, doctor. Uh, so, so tell us about your journey. W- when you were a child, did
1: you did you always want to become a doctor? Um, sure. Thank you very much for inviting me on the podcast today. Um, so my name's Adam. I uh, grew up in Nottingham. And I think ever since the age of um, just before my GCSEs, I was fairly certain that I wanted to do medicine, um, mainly because of the um, vocational elements of helping people through difficult times, and um, but also combining the scientific aspects. So I was very much, even at that stage, um, interested in biology and basic science and um, I went to university in Cambridge in Trinity College and after my preclinical studies I studied in Harvard University for a year on a Frank Knox Fellowship which is a national um, fellowship to support people who want to diversify their um, experience and, and skill set uh, whilst I was There I was very involved in Obama's health policy uh, campaign uh, and I learnt a lot about health economics, political strategy in healthcare. I then returned to the UK and completed my clinical studies in Oxford University. And after finishing medical school, I took up my first uh, house jobs um, as a foundation uh, officer in Oxford in the John Radcliffe Hospital. Um, I was uh, there for two years uh, when I rotated through general medicine, general surgery and um, orthopaedics. And I was uh, fairly committed at that stage to doing orthopaedic surgery. I uh, applied for an academic clinical fellowship in Imperial College London and was accepted onto that. And I've been in the northwest London rotation and um, uh, training to be an orthopaedic surgeon since that time. Now, a few years ago, I, so I've i always been um, quite entrepreneurial and very interested in um, the wider picture around health and and health policy. And I think one thing that always frustrated me was how difficult the interaction was between the health system and the social care system and both patients and staff. Find that interface very difficult because all our lives we've grown up in a system that's free to use and we have signposting through primary care and secondary care. And then we're suddenly faced with uh, having to pay thousands of pounds per month for private social care. So I wanted to help people in that stage of, of their journey. And a few years ago, I co founded Care Compare um, with one of my friends from university who had actually had personal experiences himself looking for his grandfather and the whole idea was that we wanted to support people at that stage to find care quickly and care which was relevant for them so after founding Care Compare we were accepted onto the Oxford University startup innovation um, scheme which essentially supports startups that have a vision for a social good to get them into in, into fruition and um, that was really helpful and we uh, developed our, our ideas in the incubator and then received a grant from innovate uk to actually build the product around the same time um, and this was during uh, covid so june 2020 just joined the first wave uh, we received, um, as well as the Innovate UK grant, support from the Mid and South Essex NHS Foundation Trust to run a pilot of Care Compare in the community. And um, So we uh, built the product, we piloted it, and it went really, really well. We received excellent feedback from patients, NHS staff, uh, from uh, the councils, and we really were in a good position because we had this product that could help people and we needed to scale. We then applied for some external funding, which we received, built a full-scale version of the platform, and relaunched in Essex in September. And uh, up till now, we've had almost 140 people who've used the platform. And some really, really heartwarming stories about how it helps people. So for example, a lady who was looking for a terminally ill relative who was able to quickly find care using our platform, and another lady who was looking for her husband Um, and he was leaving hospital and she needed a care package to be set up she was able to do that through the platform so lots of examples of really helping people in difficult circumstances Um, and now we're um, about to launch in the southeast and uh, nationally Um, so uh, yeah that's that's kind of where we've got to at the moment (laughs)
0: well uh, let le- let's let's talk about care compare further uh, in, in a minute i just want to rewind and uh, focus on something you said earlier because i think it it touches on a confusion that many people uh, have which is uh, essentially the relationship between the nhs and social mm-hmm. care um, for mm-hmm. example, as you may know, uh, interact stroke support take professional actors into hospitals and read to stroke uh patients. And the journey of a stroke survivor, um, once they leave the uh hospital and uh, and uh, you know are discharged, um the the average intervention that occurs for them after that is about six to eight weeks of intervention from either occupational or speech therapists. Then after that, they're essentially on their own until six-month or 12-month GP review. Now, what I think people find confusing is when, you, when someone is discharged from the hospital, that mm-hmm. six- to eight-week intervention that occurs, is that under the remit of the NHS or is that under the remit of social care?
1: Um, so recently um, things have changed in that many hospitals provide a free six-week package of care and that's often negotiated with the local authority but that six-week package is often not means tested. So people have a um, six-week care package and at the end of that six weeks they then have to decide how they want to continue that care and, and pay for the care themselves. I think the the, the point you mentioned is is uh, very important because the local authority essentially hold the purse strings for social care but many people coming into the system come via the nhs so there's a fundamental disconnect between those two and often as as you know the the local authorities or councils and the nhs may not necessarily have the um the the, an easy channel of communication between them so i think one of the, the the tricky things with social care is it really touches every part of the system so you've got the people who are leaving hospitals people who go directly to their gps people who go directly to the council the multiple avenues people come into this this system from
0: Adam, let me ask you then, because I, you, I'm I'm interested in that confusion, because I think that you know, mm. as you've quite rightly articulated there, a lot a lot of people simply assume that you know they are always under within the parameters of the NHS and therefore you know suddenly get confused as to, oh, why do I have to pay mm. for for this or or that? Um so so the you're going almost going back to first principles, then when I look around other Western democracies, you know, around mm. us, they they don't use our model. Um, mm. yeah. they, they use a variety of national insurance models. I, I believe, for example, in Holland, not a single hospital mm. is owned by the states. So, mm. my 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 question then is: Has this problem arisen because of the structure of the model
1: that we use? I think, in part, yes, because the NHS, um, when it was first founded, it was never meant to be about social care, it was to do with health care, and within the NHS, the bulk of that tends to be occupied by secondary care, so the hospitals. Um, when the When we think about the health system as a whole, I think more and more, as time goes on, people are realizing that social care is just as much a critical element of the health system. And a very poignant example of that, and somewhere where I've done quite a bit of research, is the area of readmissions. So, if people are discharged from hospital without the right social care, and then they're readmitted back to hospital, the cost is seen by the NHS, but the problem is one of a failure to provide them with sufficient social care so the problems which councils are facing a lack of funding a lack of carers difficulty finding care the NHS sees some of the consequences directly for example bed blocking when people can't be discharged because there are no social care packages available but many of those consequences are seen indirectly in the form of readmissions long-term health outcomes which eventually come back to bite the NHS so I think one of the key problems in the way the system is set up is that the different parts of the system don't directly that they're not funded through the same mechanism. Let's let's then talk about Care Compare. Uh yeah. you know if if
0: if if someone has uh, never heard of of Care Compare, I know you briefly outlined it just now and it it is it sounds like a trem- tremendous entrepreneurial idea that will help so many people. Um so so t- t- tell us about it. Joe blogs is is sitting at home um they've they've never heard of of Care Compare. So so, so tell us further, you know, what Care Compare does and how people can use it and how it is, I think you intimated it's going to go national very soon.
1: Yeah. Um, so in a nutshell, Care Compare is an online platform where people who are paying for their own care, so they need a carer to help them with day to day activities at home they can quickly find and connect with available care companies who can help them. So from the point of view of somebody who needs care, and it might be looking for themselves or for an elderly parent, most people in that situation, when they're first looking for care, they've never had to find care before. They don't know which companies are available and the provider um, market is changing rapidly. Um, and they're also in a very vulnerable position. So if you think some, uh, you know, somebody's uh, mum has just had a stroke or um, their father has just been um, diagnosed with MS or dementia, that person is under enough stress and probably in a full-time job, they're in a very difficult position. And so for them to have the additional stress of having to search through and find a care company who can help isn't something they need. So the problem we're trying to solve is really helping people to navigate that system at a difficult time. What they do is they go onto the website, uh, type in uh, what they're looking for, And uh, that would be, for example, um, you know, I'm looking for my mum. She's 83. Uh, She lives in a house with stairs. She would like a carer twice a day to help her in the morning with washing and getting changed and in the evening with uh, cooking. Um, She would like a carer who is female, who speaks Polish, ideally, who can come to South End um, at this postcode this would then get sent off to local care agencies anonymously so the care agencies don't know the person's name or email address all they know is the request information and the postcode of the user and um, of the care agencies who are on our platform and um, some of them would have the ability to meet that care request and um, both because they they provide that type of care and they also have availability at that point in time they then reply with an offer of care and that's um, the offer consists of their profile, so the, C- the CQC status link of the company and um, this specific help that they can provide to that person. So, for example, whether they have uh, carers who have expertise in stroke care or dementia care the time they can start and also the price and the and the, or, or price range that they would anticipate for that user so the idea is that the the user is firmly in control so all the companies come to them rather than them having to go out to 300 companies across ethics and see who can help so it reduces their stress and it also puts them in the driving seat and they can then weigh up quality versus price um, and a range of other metrics to choose which care company they want to connect with is it always that way around in the sense
0: of somebody from a care company going into somebody's place their home uh, their place of residence or could somebody be do a search specifically for a care home? um For a, a loved one or a relative, which would prov- which would sort of take into consideration that their loved one, uh, etc., has had a stroke or has, has got a you know condition X, etc.
1: And um, so, at the moment, we only cater for domiciliary care, home care in your own home, and um, but we are hoping to add on nursing homes and other residential care facilities next year and um, but it's a really it's a really good point because many people are looking for a, a um institution um such as such as a nursing home and um, the other thing we'd like to add on is um other ancillary services which people may find helpful so many of our existing users have asked for help finding for example mobility aids like stair lifts wheelchairs and occupational therapy and physiotherapy support um, and other forms of help so one of the ladies who used our website asked if we could provide a cleaner for her and there are subtleties to do with those services which are fairly unique to care. So for example, if your mother had uh, early stage dementia, at the very least, you would want a cleaner to have a DBS check to make sure she's safe and appropriate to work with um, you know, somebody with, with dementia. So there are lots of subtleties that we're um, trying to uh, cater for through our platform. But at the moment, it's, it's just people who are paying for care, who don't know where to turn, who want a carer to visit them at home let's say that
0: um someone has used the website and um they have that they want to find uh, you know uh, someone to come in and help an elderly relative uh twice a week for for, for mm-hmm. sake of argument um and uh the various companies who are on your site uh they contact uh that person and say we we've got this person who can offer you know the services that you require and let's say that uh the customer is not happy with mm-hmm. that yeah. with the particular person who, who comes along uh, do they take their uh grievance or their criticism to you or do they take it to the company that uh
1: they went to so um, the actual contract for care is between the care company and the user, so the, the once the connection's made, we don't directly deliver the care. However, we do follow up closely with our users, um, especially those who are receiving care, to find out their experience. And one thing we're hoping to do um, over the next year is actually integrate that feedback into the system. So if we have 10 users who all tell us that a care company is wonderful and you know really helps their, their, their relatives, we can let subsequent users know about that. And, and equally, if, if there's a care company which always turns up late and doesn't honor their contracts, um that's something that subsequent users may want to know. And again, there's a lot of subtlety which can be built into that. So it might be that a particular care company is very good at delivering care for, uh, you know, diabetics or people with dementia, specific groups of people, but not so good in other areas. So I think the power of our platform is by following up with the users and getting their feedback, we can directly help subsequent users. And, you know, that's a case of volume as well. So when we start to get um, thousands of users coming through, we'll build a much more rich data set to then And rate the companies based on that. At the moment, we only work with companies who are CQC registered and the CQC rates companies as either outstanding good, um, requires improvements or inadequate. And we don't work with any companies who are requires improvements or inadequate, um, which is about 15 to 20% of of the companies. So that's the minimum threshold in order to actually join our platform at, at present.
0: Tell us about the journey of the platform, then, because you intimated earlier, uh, Adam, that it's 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 quite young. So th- this is mm-hmm. something that was created just a, a couple of years ago. Is, is that right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I guess when we first started the platform, one of the main considerations before we before we um, made it alive in the general. Population was it had to be safe, so we spent a long time checking, for example, our GDPR compliance, the way we handle data, getting feedback from patients and uh, NHS staff and care companies to check that the kind of questions we were asking were appropriate, and the way that we um, passed the information back to the users wasn't confusing. So we spent a good year with Oxford University and the Mid and South Essex NHS Trust, who. Been really supportive and um, actually working to to build the platform. And um, once we built it, we then tested it in a very small group of um, GP practices with their associated care coordinators in Southend. And um, so I was fortunate in um, that I was um, well. I, I still am an innovation fellow with the Mid and South Essex innovate innovation um, Mid and South Essex NHS Foundation Trust, and Charlotte Williams, who's the um, director of strategy for the trust and Jose Garcia who's the lead for the South End CCG they were my mentors on the program um, and so with their support we were able to do this initial safe pilot to check partly that the the tech we had actually worked but also that in real life when this platform was live people found it useful um, and then after that, once we got the initial first users coming through, the, the feedback was really positive and it, it quickly grew from, from there. And now we're working with several charities across Essex, um, such as AGK Essex, Community First, Provide. Um, we've got around 200 community nhs staff including care coordinators social prescribers who are supporting us um, and we're also working with with hospital trusts so i guess we're at the point now where we, we're happy that the tech is safe and it works we've spoken to the key user groups and um, namely the patients and their relatives the hospital the health and care professionals which includes nhs staff and uh, council staff and, and also the care companies to check they're all happy with the platform and it and it works for them
0: Adam, you said earlier that, you know, you, uh, w- one of the things that you're looking forward to is that the platform would become national soon. Yeah. Um, so so where, where is it currently at? If I'm sitting in London, for example, can I use the platform? Yeah. Who, who can and can't at this point in time use the platform, geographically speaking?
1: Yeah, sure. So broadly speaking, there are two types of care. There's hourly care, which is a carer twice a day, three times a day, four times a day. And then live-in care, where there's 24-7 live-in carer. For live-in care, we cover the whole country at the moment. So if somebody in London or Manchester or Sheffield wanted a 24-7 live-in carer, we've got lots of companies, um, including many national companies, that can uh, cater for that. For hourly care, which is anything less than 24-7 care, so if if you'd like someone twice a day to help you at home, um, we only cover Essex at the moment. But we're going to rapidly expand out into the southeast over the coming months. But uh, right at the moment, as it stands, it's just Essex for hourly care. I see. And
0: and so when, when do you think that somebody sitting in Manchester uh, would be able to 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 use the um the, the the site in the same way uh as somebody who's currently sitting in
1: essex and so hopefully in the next six to nine months and um, as i said the actual tech itself is very easy to scale so we can immediately um, deploy it in manchester or sheffield or Birmingham and um, we uh, need to get the care companies in those regions on board first and that's really the only limiting factor there are 5000 care companies and we need to get those to enough of them to join our platform to make it functional in in each area and I guess the reason we haven't tried to to expand too quickly up till now is because there were issues to do with um, how the platform for example the wording of some of the questions which we've changed and other features on the company side so one of the feedback we received um, was that the companies want to be able to filter the requests so at the moment all the companies receive every request. But clearly, if you're a care company in Manchester, there's no point in you seeing requests coming from Birmingham. So we've actually built now a, a filter so the care companies can set the distance around their base location where they want to see the requests coming from. Um, so I guess the technical side, which we've now developed, enables us to go national quite um, quickly.
0: Adam, what have you learned yourself uh, setting this up? Uh, what 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 have you what have you sort of learnt about health and social care that you didn't know before?
1: And um, so I've learnt how disjointed the system is, and how confusing people find the system to navigate. So, you know, I've spoken to well over two hundred people across social care, and the thing which really strikes me is how many of their roles and job descriptions are distinct, but at the same time they overlap. So, if you look at the community side. There are charities um, there's primary care there are hospital discharge teams and they're all interrelated but sometimes they don't necessarily um know what the other one is is, is doing and that's not a fault of their own it's it's a it's a function of, of the fact that social care is just so pervasive across the system so there's no one point at which you enter the social care system if, if for example um you needed a knee replacement for example i could tell you you know go to your gp be referred to your local orthopedic surgeon they will arrange for you to have a knee replacement if that's what you require and it's a very clearly defined path in social care that doesn't exist because the range of needs is so diverse so many people just would like someone to come in once a day to check they're okay for some companionship and at the other extreme people need a living carer or maybe even two living carers to help them with complex needs so people flip into and out of this system the the other thing I think I've learned is how the social care needs of many people are not static so by that what I mean is if somebody has a son or daughter who lives nearby who can help them, if that son or daughter then relocates to another part of the country or another part of the world, that then completely changes the social care needs of that person for, for the system because then they may need a carer. And you know that can be long-term or short-term because many carers now who are providing unpaid care, there's a real um, uh, challenge with carer burnout because actually trying to do a full-time job and look after someone who needs care. It's almost like having a second full-time job and you can't physically do that for prolonged periods with, without burning out. So I think the the challenge of how to integrate paid care with vol- the voluntary sector and unpaid carers is, is a real one which um, needs to be uh, tackled urgently. You said that somebody might need someone to come in just to
0: check that they're okay, and for uh, a, a little bit of uh, conversation. Um, yeah. And that sort of raised uh, for me that whole subject of loneliness and social isolation. Mm-hmm. How yeah. widespread is the problem of loneliness and social isolation in
1: in, in the UK today? It, it's it's huge. So um, one in seven households is an elderly person living by themselves, and I think, given the um, societal structure, the family structure, um, in in the society we're living in at the moment, it's an enormous problem. And loneliness, um, you know, it's it's partly about mental well being, but also about physical well being, because loneliness has been shown to directly correlate with the risk of many um, illnesses. And you know, practically, if somebody isn't in contact with other people. The point at which they present to the healthcare system is much further down the line which means the difficulty of treating their underlying problem is harder so for, for, for lots of reasons I think loneliness is a, is a critical problem that we need to tackle um, and th- there is some great work being done by the voluntary sector and um, many unpaid carers who um, I think you know without them the entire system would, would collapse because the, the aggregate um, number of hours they're putting into Care, even if it's for their own family or friends, is, is enormous, and and it and it dwarfs the paid um care sector.
0: Adam, uh, you you uh, when you were describing your journey at the very beginning, you talked about going to Cambridge, uh, going to Harvard, going to uh, Oxford. You know, three very prestigious uh, places in the world. So, do you do you still um have time to actually practice medicine? um uh,
1: while you're you're you've been setting up care compare oh, yes yeah, so i'm um so i've taken um the last uh, few months out of my program to really kickstart care compare, and i'm actually going back uh, part time um i think one of the things which has really helped is the nhs entrepreneur program um so this was set up um a few years ago by tony young who's the national director for innovation and the whole idea is to support frontline clinicians with ideas that can help the NHS. So, you know, care compare in terms of reducing admin time, reducing bed blocking, and um, helping NHS staff, it has enormous potential. So the NHS Entrepreneur Programme actually said, look, we want to help support clinicians so they can still work in the NHS and bring their innovations into fruition. And um, so that, that that's been really helpful actually. And I think my role as a clinician has been Helpful in allowing me to understand some of the problems which which people face, because you know for the last decade I've spent day after day speaking to people with real problems and understanding their journey through health and social care. Um, I mean, very practically in orthopedic surgery, we often see people who come to hospital having broken their hip or uh, leg and when they when they're in that situation it happens to them quickly so much as like a stroke happens quite suddenly and um, people suddenly break their hip and they find themselves in a situation where inevitably their care needs increase now sometimes that just means they need um a, a walking aid or um you know additional support from family but many times it's they need paid support to actually help them so there are lots of situations where uh, people's care needs do change I guess the other side of the the spectrum and um, and from work I did as a junior doctor as, as a GP um, and many GPs who I know such as my, my wife who's a GP and um, on the chronic disease side p- patients slowly deteriorate so for example people with uh, dementia uh, Parkinson's MS and they may not need a carer initially but as time goes on they gradually need more and more care and it reaches the point when they they do start looking for care services and um, so i guess from those two aspects the the acute side and, and the chronic side working in the system has given me a real insight into the the problem and a real sort of motivation as well to want to help
0: well um we we wish care compare
1: every success we
0: i think what you're doing is fantastic we will put a link in the description box of course and uh uh for for you and, uh, uh, Adam, on behalf of um, Right Side of the Brain, thank you uh, very much uh, for being a, a guest on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks. That was Dr. Adam Ali. For more information on our work, please do visit our website at www.interactstrokesupport.org. And if you're feeling generous, please do click on the big red donate button. We very much look forward to your company on the next edition of Right Side of the Brain.